If you were to pick one word to describe our world today, what would your word be? Insane, chaotic, disastrous. Man, you guys are so optimistic. Um, Such great views of what's going on in the world today. Um, Yeah, I think one word that we could use would be divided. We live in a very divided time um, where basically any topic that you pick, people are divided on it, right? I mean, we whether it's your views on COVID or on vaccines or on treatments, there's a ton of divide there. Then you can get into uh, precautionary me- measures and uh, mask and that kind of thing. There's been so much divide. And so, so now we're about to go a step further um, as a culture with now having these vaccine passports, um, which I don't see that doing anything besides uh, dividing people further. And, uh, and then our prime minister in the midst of this cultural divide uh, decided that the best thing to do to bring everybody together uh, was have a national election um, because nothing brings people together like politics. Um, and so, so we've got that going now too. Um, and so, and I think even the, the prime minister has been surprised now that he's out campaigning about how divided the country is and how fired up people are about different things. And now with me starting a sermon this way, um, you would probably think that I'm going to give us the solution to our divide. Um, And if you know me very well, you know usually where I go in sermons is straight to Jesus. And so at this point you might think, oh, well, he's going to just take this time to tell us how Jesus um, heals all of these divides. Uh, To which I'm going to say the opposite. Uh, Because Jesus himself brings divide. And so in a divided world, if you're a follower of Christ, then there's just a whole other thing to be divided about. Jesus said this in Luke uh, chapter 12, verse 51. He says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And you're like, wow, that's really feel good. More divide, even into the house. And where we're going in our passage for today is is John chapter 8 where Jesus is continuing in in this conversation, right where we left off last week, uh, with um, these Jewish people um, about things. And we see Jesus in this passage really being very divisive. Um, And so we're, we're dishonest with ourselves if, and we're dishonest with Scripture, if when we 
we come to this issue of divide that we take an approach that we just want everybody to get along. We just want everybody to be happy and everything to feel good, which is what we, we really do want. Um, but Jesus said in reality, that's not what's going to happen. That his gospel, his truth is going to bring divide. And and so what I want us to do is let's just let's jump into this big divisive argument he's having here, and, uh, and then we'll go back and dissect it. So we're going to read it through, and then we'll go back and dissect it. So John 8, starting at verse 37. I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And they answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works that your father did. And they said to him, We are not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. And why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your Father, the devil. And your will is to do your Father's desires. He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Wow. What a way to win people over. Your father is the devil. Take that mic drop out of here. But what we can see here with Jesus with this confrontation is that What is he confrontational about? He's confrontational about the truth. And you see, that's the reality. Now, this is an earth-shattering statement I'm about to make, so you guys be ready for this, all right? The truth is confrontational. The truth is confrontational. When we, and I know we all can identify that. I mean, I've never seen someone in an argument, unless it's for fun, um, who is arguing passionately because they know that what they're arguing for is false, right? I said, unless they do it for fun, Lyndon, because <laughs> Lyndon will do that. Um, <laughs> but even when we're, we're in those moments, we think that, yes, I'm arguing for truth here. When it comes to any of those issues I listed earlier, as people are so divided on these issues and care so strongly about these issues, why, do, why is that so? Because they believe that their view is the truth. They believe that, that yes, this is the truth. This is uh, what applies to this situation. 
And I, I want to propose that, that sometimes in those situations, what we need to do maybe a little bit more than yelling at each other is listen to each other. Because I find even when I listen to somebody that maybe I have a totally different view than them on whatever topic, when I give them the benefit of listening to them and hearing them out, I can at least understand, okay, well, that's why they believe that. That's why, that's why they came to that place, right? I, I can understand why, why they are in the place they are now because I listen to them and I hear them out. But so much in our world today, in our culture today, it's just screaming at each other and nobody's listening. And that's not getting anybody anywhere. But what we see here with Jesus is the fact that the thing that he is confrontational about and the reason that he is, is at these people is because what matters and what's at stake here is the truth. And it's the truth about who he is, what he came to do, and the fact that salvation is offered in him. Because you see, he is the truth and he told the truth. In verse 40, it says this, But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. He's saying, look, what am I guilty of? Here's what I'm guilty of. I've come from God and I've told you the truth that God has given me to tell you. And, and as he's, he's doing that, these people, their hearts are in the place of, they don't like the truth that he's saying. And so they want to kill him. Divide, division, exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. And, there's, and he's saying to him, he's like, hey, your whole hope, your whole everything is based on being a descendant of Abraham. And we could go into a whole discussion about all of the Old Testament covenant, New Testament covenant, all of that, how it's all fulfilled in Jesus, everything like that. And that's a great Bible study uh, for another time. But the main thing we're looking at today is just this divide and this division and what's worth dividing over and what's worth arguing over. And it's the truth, and it's the truth of Scripture. And so the truth is, is that who Jesus is, is he's the Son of God, that he came to earth, he died on a cross, paying the price for sin, and he rose again three days later. And in that, there is hope for us because he was a sinless sacrifice. He never sinned. And so the death that he died, he did not owe that price, but we do. And since we are sinners, we can be forgiven by him, by what he did on the cross. And that's the truth, and that's, that's what matters and that's what he's setting up here before he even goes to the cross because he's laying it out for him. He's trying to help these people understand. And you see here one of the great debate tactics that has stand, stood the test of time. Um, that people employed it here. People still employ it today. Um, as Jesus was laying out the truth for them, since they did not have the truth on their side, where did they go? They went to a personal attack. <laughs> they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. Now, what do you think they're talking about there? I think that what they're saying is they're throwing a stab at him 
because of the questionableness of his birth. His mother was found to be pregnant before she was married. And so even though he's speaking truth to them, they're like, oh yeah, you know what we can do? We're going to undercut him. Oh yeah? Well, any little kids in here? Okay. Pardon my French, but you bastard. Like, that's what they're, that's what they're, they're saying here. They're like, what, what, what do you got for us? We're not born out of sexual immorality like you. This followed Jesus through his life. If you ever thought about it, the sign that they hang on his cross at the end, where does it say? It says Jesus of Nazareth. How were men known in that day? Jesus, son of. And so the sign even hung on his cross was saying, Jesus, son of the city. The son of who knows who in this town. And this is an underlying theme that those who are against Jesus kind of held on to. And this is what people will do today in points of division. We see this in our politics today, right? If a politician doesn't have a good argument, if they don't have um, a good platform to stand on, what do they do? They just attack the other person. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, well, well, they're dumb, right? You know, it's like the go back to kindergarten. Well, oh, yeah, well, you're ugly, you know? So, but, like, what does that have to do with the truth? What does that have to do with what we're actually talking about here? Nobody knows. Um, And so, people without the truth on their side stoop to personal attacks. This is what we see happening here. This is what we see happening today. And so, if, if you're ever a person who is the recipient of those personal attacks, I just want to encourage you. All that means is they got nothing, right? The best thing to do is come at you and throw these snide remarks and try to undercut you. They got nothing on you. So, yeah. So the big debate here is over the fatherhood of these people. And who does Jesus say that their father is? Jesus says that their father is the devil, Verse 42 to 45, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. And why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are, your, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. And now this is an issue that is very prevalent in our culture today. And it's really almost just accepted the fact that people lie. It's almost just like an accepted thing that people will lie to you. But what we see Jesus saying here is that Jesus is the truth, but Satan is the father of lies. So when we accept lying, what are we accepting? We're accepting the father of lies and his tactics and his methods. And so... 
We live in a world where this is like his number one tactic. This is what he's been doing ever since the beginning. Ever since he convinced Adam and Eve to sin. How did he do that? Through lying. He's the father of lies. That's his native language. That's, Jesus is like, this is all he knows how to do. And that has rubbed off in our culture in such a way that almost today, when, for instance, like a politician is caught in a lie, it's kind of just accepted, kind of expected even. It's like, oh yeah, they lie. All right, we'll wait till the next news cycle and move on. And it's just part of the world today in such a way that we can just look over it, that we can just excuse it, that we can just excuse the lack of truthfulness in people. And we can excuse it in ourselves as well. We can justify it. We can say, oh, well, that wasn't a big lie, right? Like, that's just a little white lie. Nobody's really hurt by what I said there. Um, And a sad thing that I've, I've seen is, is as we take this view on people as a whole, we bring that and we apply it even in the church. So much so that even if maybe someone might be put into a leadership role in the church that is um, known to be loose with the truth, known to bend the truth, to their liking, known to mislead people. And why is this such a big deal? This is such a big deal because of what Jesus is saying here. Because his followers are to be, his, be examples of him in our world today. And we are to be the ones that are conveying his message, the truth that he gave to us, to others. And I want to ask you, is someone going to believe me if I tell them the truth of the gospel and yet they know that I just lied to them about something as trivial as what I ate last night? If you will lie about that, why should I believe you about this? And for the Christian, for the Christ follower, this is why truthfulness is so important. It's because our job is to convey a message. We are messengers for Christ. To get that message out there. And that message is not going to go forth and people will not believe it if they do not believe us. And that's why we have to be people of truth. We have to be people who tell the truth. Because we have an enemy who is active and waging war against us, who is the father of lies. And so as he wants to discredit us, as he wants to bring us down, what tactic is he going to use? Lies and personal attacks. Same thing he was using here against Jesus. Lies and personal attacks. Even though we know from Scripture that that Jesus was born of a virgin, an immaculate conception, that it was by the power of the Holy Spirit that Mary became pregnant. It was a miracle that proved who he is. 
How did the enemy take that? Twisted it. Lies, twists, lies, twists, lies, distortions. Don't believe him. Who, does, who is he that you should listen to him? And so, I'm going to ask you today, who is your father? Another thing that this passage should really make us question is the statement that I hear a lot of, well, we're all God's children. Is that what Jesus is saying here? So you look at these people who are wanting to kill him and say, well, we're all God's children. It's all good. Let's just come together, sing kumbaya, roast some marshmallows. It's going to be good. No. He says, you are not a child of the Father. Your, child, your father is the devil. And here's the truth. Here's the reality. We all are born into sin. What is the language of sin? The language of sin is lies. We're all born into being a child of the devil. We're all born into lies. That's who we are as a people. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to rescue us from that. And it's through faith in him, through believing in him, that he comes into our lives. He makes us new. He makes us whole. And he changes us so that we can hear his word and we can hear the words of the Father and we can love him in the way that he's talking about here. We come to know God as our Father. We are adopted as children into his family. We're not naturally born there. And I want to ask you, have you been adopted? Are you a child of God? Or is your father the father of lies? Because that is the most important question you can answer. And that is why it is so important that Jesus is coming at these people straight with the truth. He's not holding punches He's laying it out for him. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you not, do not hear them is that you are not of God. So I want to ask you, do you hear the words of God today? Now, back to our divisiveness. Why is it that Jesus is so divisive here? It's because the truth is at stake. The ultimate truth of eternal salvation, the ultimate truth of being made right with God. And as Christ followers, if you are a follower of Christ, if you do know God as your Father, then I want to challenge you today with what is your approach to speaking truth? Because I know for some of us, we like to avoid conflict at all cost, right? We don't like confrontation. We don't like division. This world we're living in is driving us crazy right now because we just want people to get along. For others of us, we are quick to be ready to argue, 
We are quick to be ready to beat somebody over the head with the truth um, and to force our point home at all costs. And what advice does Scripture give us on this, on how we approach this? I want us to look at a couple of places. So the Apostle Paul, who, if, if you're familiar with him and you're familiar with his ministry, you know him to be a man who was not um, adverse to conflict. Um, he would deal with conflict. He was constantly in conflict. Uh, for the sake of the gospel, proclaiming the truth. Um, he was stoned, he was beaten, he was imprisoned. He, all kinds of bad things happened to him because he was a person who would speak the truth. And yet he wrote this and gave this advice to Christians. Romans 12, starting in verse 18, he says this, If possible, so far as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what's, what's Paul saying? If it's possible, live at peace. He's a man who's known great conflict. He's known great turmoil. He's known great divisiveness and strife. And what he's saying is like, hey, don't strive for that. So much as it is possible to you, live at peace with everyone. Now I'd ask you, by this view, when is it not possible? By what Jesus just modeled for us, when is it not possible? When the truth is at stake. When the proclamation of the gospel is at hand. Because we also have to balance this with 1 Peter um, 3, where Peter tells us this, if I can get there. 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 15. Peter gives us this instructions. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So, what am I getting at from those two verses? We don't run towards division. We don't run towards arguments. We don't run towards fights for the sake of fights and fighting. But when the truth is at stake, we have to be prepared to fight. We have to be prepared to stand up and speak the truth. And that takes a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience to know where those lines are. Where, where do I speak up? When do I keep my mouth shut? Because if, if we are on the more timid side that we, don't, we want to avoid conflict at all costs, 
then we can be guilty of not doing what Peter says and being ready to give a defense for the hope that is found within us. We can be guilty of not following Jesus' example of standing up and saying, here's the truth. For on the other side, we can run at every issue, guns a-blazing so much so that nobody listens to us at all. And that is a very tricky place to be in the world that we live today. Because as I was saying, we live in this divided world. It is crazy. And the last thing we want, or at least I'll speak for myself, I might not speak for you, but the last thing that I want is for someone not to hear me about the gospel because they've heard me yelling about some other issue in our culture today. I just want to ask you in closing, are you ready to speak the truth in love no matter the cost? Because that's both sides of the coin. We speak the truth, but we do it in love. Our, our reason for doing so is we care about this person. We love them. But also we're willing to pay the cost of speaking that truth. Jesus was willing to pay the cost. The cost for him saying what he said here was being nailed to a cross. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth. I thank you for the fact that you've given it to us. I thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, that he did live a sinless life, that he did die on a cross paying the punishment for us so that I could be forgiven. I deserved that death. He didn't but yet he paid it so that I could be forgiven and be made right with you. And Lord, I pray that that message, that that truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us will ring forth, that we will proclaim it with faithfulness, that we will proclaim it with gentleness and respect, that we will speak it in love, Lord, I pray that you give us the wisdom so that so far as it is possible to us, we will live at peace with everyone. Lord, we desire peace. We desire an end to all of the division, all of the strife, all of the fighting we see in the world today. And we know that the ultimate answer to that only comes in Jesus' second return where it is all put to rest, where it is all settled, where everything is made right. And those of us who belong to you, who are your children, who know you as Father and we love your Son, will be united with you for all of eternity in a new heaven and a new earth where all things are perfect. And while we wait for that day and as we look for that day, Lord, give us wisdom and guidance in how you want us to live and act and speak in this day. And I pray all this in Christ's holy name. Amen.